Welcome to today's episode on Life in the Front Office. I'm your host, Jay Kirschman. This is part of the Ohio University Sports Administration Life After Court Street series, episode eight. Uh, we will be continuing this in the fall, but this will be the last episode of this series here. And excited nonetheless to have my co-host, Laura Waters-Brown with me and our two special guests in Rob Kroll and Allison Fillmore. Um, Rob is with the Rocket Mortgage, Rocket Mortgage Classic, Allison with the Tour Championship, Excited to talk a little bit about golf, a little bit about DE&I, their career path, how they got into it, um, and nonetheless, their lessons learned from Athens. So uh, let's kick it to you, Allison, first, because uh, you are coming from the undergrad program um, as well. And uh, just talk a little bit about a little, you know, you spent a lot of time in Atlanta, obviously, um, some of your GPS to your journey. Uh, Um, and two days later, I started my first job as the director of data marketing for a company called Collegiate Directories. We published the National Directory of College Athletics. And as every kid coming out of school, thinking they could make, you know, buku amount of dollars right away, I took an opportunity to work for a tech company called jobboards.com. And um, I got fired in four months because I was super unpassionate about my job. Uh, so I handed my resume to a friend who later on turned out to be my husband. And uh, uh, he was working for the Cleveland Cavs. And um, I started working for a company, uh, a, a small team called the Cleveland Lumberjacks. Uh, that was an IHL team and the, the league folded the year after. And through uh, connections, through my husband, I ended up, um, handing my resume to a friend who worked for the Sacramento Kings, who was his old boss. I went out to Sacramento. He worked for the Golden State Warriors. I worked for the Sacramento Kings. We lived in the middle. And about a year later, we really missed our family. 9-11 happened. It was a scary time. And I wanted to be closer to home. So I uh, took an opportunity. Went to. I said to him, I'd go, you followed me. I'll follow you. He started with the Atlanta Thrashers. I started at the Atlanta Falcons. Um, five years later, I, I had a great opportunity to start with the Atlanta Dream. I was the first employee. And um, two years later, unfortunately, the, the entire world kind of shut down with the, um, the kind of, uh, the, not a depression, but uh, we had like the corporate real estate kind of downturn. And um, I was going to stay home with my daughter for a while. And a friend shared my resume with someone at Atlanta Motor Speedway. It was kind of a different turn of events. I'd always been in ticket sales, moved into corporate sales. So I went from a vice president to an account executive in a totally new role. Um, and within seven years, worked my way up to vice president of, of sales. And uh, in April of 2017, the PGA Tour called me and uh, never looked back after that. So um, really enjoy what I do now working for the Tour Championship as the executive director. That's, that's pretty rare that you're able to move to a market in sports with your yeah. then husband and figure out how to both get jobs in the same market. I, Rob, okay. have, you, have you ever done that? No, <laughs> that's a trick. I mean, I will say this. I've spent 20 years in this market in Detroit, which, you know, as you get older, as I'm on the looking over the cliff at 50, it's like, you know, 
we moved, we all moved around in our twenties and did what mm -hmm. we had to do. And, and, and now I'm here. I, I, I don't know what, what I would do. And I've been, I felt like I've been fortunate to be able to, you know, do the string of things I've done and stay in this market, but to try to pull off husband and wife thing, that would be, uh, that'd be, that'd be quite a feat. We always kind of say that we are, um, we are kind of an oddity being able to stay in the same town for so long. So we moved here in 2002. Oh, uh, yeah. I moved here in June of 99 to Detroit. And yeah, so I'm, I'm 22 years now. It's home. I grew up in Michigan, so it, it, it's, it's home. So, Rob, yeah. how, many, how many different properties were you able to work for in, in the market before you got to the Rocket Mortgage Classic? Yeah. So I worked for a company that's no longer, it was called Host Communications. Allison knows. So they were the precursor to IMG College, you know, back in the day when not every college outsourced, uh, you know, host had a number of marquee schools. Um, and I actually came and got a job here in Detroit working at General Motors Eventworks, General Motors Ironworks, it's Jack Morton now. And I was managing their NCA corporate partnership, kind of an agency role. And as I've said, I'm not an agency guy and here I'm working for an agency again. Um, but uh, I did that for about a year and a half. And then we signed host at the time signed University of Michigan as a property in 2001. And I said, get me out of here. I want to go sell and market and, you know, do all those things. And so I was the first hire at the Michigan Sports Network and I stayed there from 01 to uh, 07. And then our flagship station, um, you know, put an offer in front of me that I couldn't refuse to sell. Lions, Tigers, Red Wings, I oversaw those sports networks and had a sales staff and and that lasted about a year. It was a year mistake because radio is really tough. And it just was not my bag. And so I exited I, on my own. I, I just was like, thanks, but no thanks. And that's when I got the Red Wings gig that I spent almost 10 years in charge of partnership revenue with the, for the Red Wings. And that was just a fantastic run. Got to, you know, was the first eight of eight and a half of those years were at Joe Lewis. And then the last year and a half at Little Caesars Arena, which was, you know, I, I feel lucky that, you, you know, very few people get to open an arena or open a stadium and got to do that and check. And then the PGA Tour opportunity came. A guy by the name of Peter Kent called me. I've known Peter since I was about 16 or 17. He grew up in the next town over and we, always kind of stayed up and stayed in contact, but, you know, guy that you call maybe once a year. And it's funny. So I was driving into Little Caesars Arena and I'm listening to the radio, Rocket Mortgage Classic PGA Tour coming to Detroit. And I look at my phone and it's Casey Herbis, the CMO of Rocket, who I've known for 20 years, has been a client, et cetera. And I'm, I'm on another phone call and I'm like, click, go to voicemail. Literally, Three minutes later, Peter Kent, I'm like, why are these two big shots calling me in the same day? I'm like, click, voice, I'm on another call. I get off the calls and I get get on with Peter and he says, uh, 
hey man, how you doing? Did you hear the news? I said, yeah, I, I, yeah, I listened to the radio, listen TV, tournament's coming. He's like, yeah, we're looking for some people to help us run it. And I, and I was in my head, I'm thinking, uh, great. I had just hired a couple new salespeople and I jokingly said, I'll give you my scraps. I've got about 20 people that I'll give you that are left over here. And he's like, no, 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 no. We want to talk to you. And I said, uh, I didn't know what to, to react. And, you know, we just opened this new $900 million arena. I was still, you know, still wanting, you know, to see that I'd made it through basically the first season and let's maybe get two seasons out of this. And I said, I, I'm flattered, but I, I'm not really interested. I don't know anything about golf. I, you know, blah, blah, blah. okay, thanks. Bye. Click. And my head got going and, you know, you start seeing things off in the future and, and about a, week later i called him back and i said listen i don't know anything about golf i don't know how to set up a chalet i don't know where to stake a rope he goes no no, no that's not what we're looking for we need somebody that can come in and open all the doors in town i go oh well, that's what you need and that then i could maybe be your guy and then that's what got me connected with intersport and jason langwell my boss our executive director but it was definitely non-traditional. I, I don't do not have, I'm a baseball guy at heart. I started out on the Vero Beach Dodgers scholarship. I'm not sure if they still have that, but, um, and was working in baseball. I was going to be the next general manager of the, you know, Dodgers and quickly realized that that there were only 30 of those jobs in the world and I better figure something else out and I could sell. So I, I'm here. I, I told myself, I grew up in a college town. I told myself I would never work in college athletics. Check, did that for like eight or nine years. And golf was never on my radar. Hockey, you know, you know, I grew up in Michigan, but I never really played. So my my messages don't ever rule anything out. Hey Rob, I just gotta say real quick, uh, before Laura hops in. So our us baseball guys who want to be GMs, we somehow end up in golf. I'm not really sure how that happens, but figure out our way yeah. isn't it funny how the things the jobs you say that you will never do just pop up and you're then you do them yeah <laughs> right so like it's never say right the yeah. opportunity is spot on and I think what I'm hearing from both of you I think is a theme that we've been trying to express throughout this entire series with current students specifically is your career path is not linear like it's not a straight line ever I mean Allison your story like I was all over the place you were all you, <laughs> you were all over the place talk a little bit to me about how um maybe that first time the both of you experienced kind of that realization that your career path was not going to be just straight up Goodness. I think, um, honestly, it was when I was at the Falcons, um, I had a, a situation arise where I was told I wasn't going to get a job because I was a female. And <laughs> I know, right? So what year was this? This was in 2005, 2005. Um, and I, I like, like Rob, you said, I, I took it as an opportunity, uh, an opportunity to say, you know what, 
I need to move on and I need to create a better path for myself. So that's when I started with the Atlanta dream. And there I, I was, I was the vice president of sales and I, I learned a ton. Um, but when the team, uh, switched ownership groups and I had the opportunity to go to Atlanta motor speedway, I'd always interested in sponsorship sales. I always wanted to get into it. And I felt like I was kind of pigeonholed and I was not going to go any further in that role. So I had to take a step back in order to take a step forward and really, really enjoyed the creativity of, of selling sponsorships and being be able to create an experience for fans, for our partners, slap signage everywhere, you name it. Um, so when I came to the tour and the first thing I said, I was like, where can I put the signage? And they're like, no, 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 no. doesn't go that way. No, but, um, so I think it was kind of there, like realizing that you can still move forward in your career. However, if you want to really learn something new, you might have to take a step back and kind of reevaluate what you're doing. But if it's something that you truly want to be a part of, take the chance. Risk. Risks are something that we all have to take if we want to take that next step in our career. Yeah, I just say get in, get engaged, and get you know, and, and then from there, figure it out. You know, I came out of OU, went down to spring training with the Vero Beach Dodgers. All right, where do I, you know, how, how do I get involved in baseball ops? Well, eh, it doesn't work like that. So I did get to touch it plenty. And I, you know, I, I worked, I've got some great Tommy Lasorda stories, God rest his soul, uh, and had some great opportunity to really connect with, uh, you know, a lot of unbelievable people. But through those experiences, you figure out what you're good at, right? And then, you know, I turned the internship into director of group ticket sales for the Vero Beach Dodgers. And then that turned into assistant general manager. And, you know, the real time I realized that I needed to change or take the opportunity on myself and make it like Allison did, she realized, okay, this is a dead end here for me whether it's for them or for me, um, it was at CBS. I had left Michigan Sports Network and host. CBS came in and put a bunch of money in front of me. And I was like, oh, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and I realized quickly that it really stunk. And so I actually resigned <clears throat> and just said, guys, you're better off without me. I don't fit in with the culture here. Um, and I did that in... July of 2008. And if you remember what happened, yeah, horrible timing, like the downturn went. And I, I was actually way in a long conversation with the four dealer groups uh, here locally, they, they had been a client, and they were going to offer me basically to head the dealer group um, here in Detroit. And literally the night they're going to give me an offer, you know, the automotive world just crashes. And I, I'm, I get the call and say, we're not hiring, we're frozen. And I actually got a call, this is how this works, from Casey Herbis, who's now CMO at Rocket, his friend. He was at Chrysler Jeep Ram. He goes, hey, you haven't taken that Ford job, have you? I said, uh, no. Uh, <laughs> they just pulled it off the table. He goes, you need to call the Red Wings. They're looking for someone to sell sponsorship. And I was like, 
Well, I said, you know, what are they looking for? Well, they're looking for an account executive. And I had kind of moved beyond that and was managing sales teams and was still selling. You got to sell every day. You know, everybody sells. But I, I tucked my ego in and called the Red Wings and got the senior, I negotiated myself from account executive to senior account executive and uh, really took a, a full step backwards and then a year and a half later, the vice president of corporate sales left and he wrote the senior VP of business ops a note, an email that said, you don't need to look any further. The guy you want to run this department is sitting right there. It's Rob Kroll. And so I knew that he said it. And I walked into Steve Violetta's office with a resume and I said, I don't know if you're interviewing for this, Steve, but I want in. And he took my resume and kind of gave me a, you know, a, a audition. And then uh, the interview never came. He just gave me the job. And uh, so, yeah, we all take these different paths that become a dead end. You sometimes have to take a step backwards uh, to go forwards. And, th and then that was, for me, what the work we did at the Red Wings was a real for me, a signature and a game changer. You know, some of you probably know Molly Wordak Folt. She is, you know, one of my close uh, friends and you know my our my partner at the Red Wings. That we really had a really great ten year run with a consistent team. But it took taking a step backwards to to kind of get there. That's so awesome, and I think that's definitely something that is impressed upon that we cannot impress upon enough to up and coming industry professionals is, you know, checking your ego at the door and getting in and doing the work and just looking at the opportunity, not necessarily the job title or the accolades, but the opportunity to, to your point, Allison, to learn, to grow, to do something different, um, which is amazing, definitely amazing. And I think what both of you also just kind of have in common, right, is the power of networking and the power of connection. Um, you know, handing resumes to friends, Rob, to, you know, Allison, same thing, like resume handing, not really going to the traditional job board. So I think that's definitely uh, another, another point to get it across. Taking a little, um, a little turn, um, you know, talking about first and starting things new. You know, Allison, you were talking about being the first employee at the Atlanta Dream. Mm -hmm. Amazing. And then Rob, obviously you started a thing up there in Detroit, right? Talk a little bit about, um, you know, what that's like. Like, how do you come in with no playbook and just go? I think it really starts with one, you know, Rob said it earlier, they looked at him for a role because he can connect people. He can open doors within the city. And that was my opportunity. I basically took my book from the Falcons and I can remember this to the day we had no office. We were in the Westin at Peachtree City in Peachtree Center. And it's this massive hotel in the middle of downtown Atlanta. And there were, there were tables 
there were just six tables around in, in a hotel room. And I just started pounding out phone calls and trying to sell season tickets. So, and it was just kind of getting started that way and then bringing in a team and they hired a, they hired a president and it's just kind of getting out in the world and creating that, you know, those connections with my people. And, you know, if you build those relationships with people, they're going to want to support you. I mean, regardless, they come to the games or not, they donate the tickets or they give them the friends and family, like they want to support you. It's, it's building those relationships that really help you connect to other people and to drive your business. I, I couldn't agree more. The, you know, the longer I do this, take the PGA tour brand. That's, it's wonderful. It's, it, it really is. Take the Red Wings brand, the iconic wing. Great. And you're always proud to work for these organizations or these structures. But at the end of the day, it's about people and relationships, the people that are near to you, how you can infect and impact lives. Uh, that really is what it breaks down to. And you go back, I always tell people relationships are like a garden, you know, water that garden, even when you're not going to pick a flower from it. Because I've got a number of kids, I say, hey, keep me updated on what you're doing. Keep me updated. I, I'll take your call. I'll take your text. But if you don't, I don't know what's going on. And, and you can call me and ask me for a job. And that's if we have one, you'll be considered. But call me when you don't need a job. Call me just to give me an update. That, say that, it again, Rob. What's that? I said, say it again. Yeah. So, you know, that, and that, that's what I, you know, when this pandemic hit, I told our sales team, do not make any sales calls. Don't make people calls. Call and reach out to your friends and your clients and ask them how they're doing genuinely. And if it goes from there and, you know, everybody appreciate it. Is that all you called for? Yeah, just calling to see how you're doing. How is your business reacting to this? And, and then eventually they, they say, hey, you know, if you guys are doing something or, you know, but we made probably a solid two weeks of calls and I just had a moratorium on, you know, we had a whole plan on the comeback to COVID. I said, don't bring it up. Don't, you want to connect with people and ask them how they're doing, their family, their kids, and be genuine about it. And that, that to me is the difference maker and, and why organizations are successful is because of the people, period, the end. And I, I I, I won't even argue it with people because I've been in crappy ones and, and, and we all probably have and know what that's like. And it's, uh, yeah. Rob, it, it's, it's interesting, you know, hearing you talk about the people and you, you know, you kind of answered the question I was going to ask, but my, my follow-up to talking about, you know, listening to, to your story and Allison's story and talking about, well, I went from this title to that title and this organization to that organization. I'm now I've got this logo on my business card and I, I got fired here and I, you know, decided not to take this one. It, it's, it's all, you know, it's things that you remember, but to your point, it's the people that you had 20 years ago that made things happen for you along the way. Um, and it's then the people that when you were in a, in a position of, holy crap, what do I do? Right. You had people to lean on and get you somewhere. Um, I want to dive into that a little bit further because it's a really unique point where, you know, Allison, when you, when you got fired, like, what did you do? Right? Like, where do you go? What, how, like, what's the next step, Rob, when you decide, you know, you're going to resign, like, 
look, you, you got to that point, right? But then there's got to be that next action step. So where do you go, right? What do you do? Right. Um, so when I got fired, uh, I was I was so new in my career, right? So I, I took a step back and kind of reevaluated what I wanted to do. Um, but I knew I wanted to stay in sports. So um, that's kind of where I started the networking, started handing out my resume. I can tell you to this day, my last three jobs, I never applied for. It was always a friend that handed a resume. I didn't know about it. My job here, a friend sent my resume to someone at the tour and I got a call and I didn't even know that they did that. So it's, it's building those relationships, showing that you are an authentic person and a hard worker. Um, people are going to bet on you and they're going to want to vouch for you. Yeah, same. I, I can't remember the last time I applied for something. It was always through a, a network and, uh, you know, whether it's the Ohio network, which, you know, that network ultimately led me to my first, I had zero sports connections at the time, you know, 1994 is coming out of a small school in Indiana, uh, DePaul University. And, you know, I just didn't know anything about sports. I mean, I, I played college baseball at the D3 level was always kind of connected that way, but the business of sports in Ohio gave me a little bit of an opportunity and a flavor for that. But more importantly, they gave me this network that kind of got me on the on-ramp, you know, so to speak. And it's so, it's so cool that both of you had success with kind of your peer-to-peer -peer networks, right? I think a lot of times when you're fresh out of school or fresh, you know, just coming from undergrad or grad school, you're so infatuated and encumbered with trying to connect with the VP or the president. And it's just as important to connect with your peers because both of you are products of your peers passing along your resume or helping you out. And I think that's a that's something that's really important too. Um, we like to drop what I call gems on this segment for the, for the young folks, for the cool kids. That's a gem, peer-to-peer -peer networking. Is that like a Jim Kaler? Jim, Jim, Jim sponsored by one Jim Kaler. That, that is definitely the next RevGen project. There you go. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think another thing that's really important too, and it's something that I didn't take advantage of early on in my career is exactly what you just said, Rob, is that OU network. Mm -hmm. um, I, I really just started kind of getting more involved within the past five years and, and giving back and working with them on capstone projects and such. And now I just have such a great one uh, kind of pipeline of kids that are coming out of school that are super bright and smart and want to be involved and, you know, get into sports, but two, you know, connecting with the faculty and such. I mean, there's so many connections. OU is such a great sports school that I, I mean, I, I sold a deal because I looked up and I found out somebody went to OU and I reached out and that opened the door just to build the relationship. And it was with Harley Davidson. So, you know, it's, it's all about just that connection, networking, networking, networking is so, so important in everything we do, even internal networking, external networking, everything. It's something that I preach to my team all the time. Don't, don't ever tell 
that don't tell my sales team that I said this, but the cold call is dead. You know, we always like to warm it up. You know, it, it really makes a big difference. And that network and, you know, we, we, I look for a warm intro wherever I can get it. Um, and so, you know, and the more relationships you have, the more warm intros you can make, uh, you know, laterally. I actually was on a, a, a call with AAA here and one of our sales directors and they brought up the Dow LPGA tournament. Like they didn't really have a great knowledge of how it worked. They said, well, can you sell us the LPGA as well? And I said, no, but I know them there. And I will make that introduction as soon as we get off the call, you know, so it's this, you know, and that that's going to, you know, come back tenfold to us and, and we'll return it tenfold again. But those are the types of things that if you start to take that extra effort and connection and make sure at the time you're doing it because it's the right thing to do, it will come back to you. Don't, don't, don't say, Hey, you know, gave you a favor. I need a favor. Just keep giving out the favors and it will come back. Yeah, Rob. I mean, you always, if something happens for you and it, and it ends up being successful, you'll always remember who connected the dots always. Cause someone will ask you, how did you get to me again? Right. Or who introduced us? And it's always going to pop up. Um, you know, Allison, you mentioned giving back and it's something that you both have the ability to do through your platform, through running the golf tournaments um, at the PGA Tour level. And I want you both to just kind of dive in briefly as to how you might be fostering some different DE&I initiatives um, through the platform of your tournament week uh, and also all year round, really. Um, it, you know, that's, it's not just one week, it's 365 days a year in your community. Absolutely. This is something that I'm super passionate about. Um, when I first started with the tour, um, I was living an hour away and I knew that I had to move into the community to really kind of embrace it in its totality. Um, the story of Eastlake is one of the most amazing stories out there. This city used to be one of the most crime ridden areas in the city of Atlanta. The average age of a grandmother was 32. The unemployment rate, um, the employment rate, I apologize, was 14%. So um, back in 1994, Tom Cousins came in, uh, purchased East Lake and said, you know what, I'm going to revitalize this neighborhood. I'm going to take it from cradle to college. And we are going to make this a thriving community. And by the way, we're going to bring a PGA Tour event here. Uh, you would have thought he was crazy. I mean, the stories of, of people like gunshots as people are playing golf, crazy. Tour came in 1998, kind of moved back and forth between Houston, and then in 2004 solidified its space here at Eastlake Golf Club. Uh, the, the creation of the Eastlake Foundation, um, they just celebrated their 25th anniversary, really, really takes this community and, and provides health and wellness, provides an opportunity uh, to kind of close that achievement gap, that, um, that racial gap, you name it, they have really been on the forefront of everything. So while I know the DEI you know, initiative has been a large and hot topic lately, we've been doing it 
for the last 20 years. And I'm so proud of that. So what are we doing now to encourage growth within that area? You know, working with some awesome folks at the tour to really kind of take a look at what we do and how we can incorporate more diversity within our fans, our volunteers, our staff. You know, um, I'm proud to sit on uh, um, the uh, ILC within the PGA Tour, which really does focus on these types of initiatives. So I specifically sit on one for the, um, the creation and the diversity of, of our volunteers. So really taking a look at uh, what we do and how we do it and how we can, how we can bring more diverse volunteers to our, to our tournament to really represent the city of Atlanta, right? Atlanta is such a great melting pot. There's diversity all over the place. I want our fans to look like our city. Um, so, you know, we're looking at ways to create different events around this, you know, uh, talking about doing a 5K, partnering with our track club, um, really kind of expanding our charitable footprint to not only include the Eastlake Foundation, but the Grove Park Foundation on the west side of Atlanta and purpose-built schools on the south side of Atlanta. Um, really proud to say that our, our high school team, our golf team, the first African-American boys team to win state. In the, in the state of Georgia. Um, we think that it might be a nationwide thing, but we're not exactly sure. They don't, they've never really kept tabs on that kind of thing before. So um, working with them, working with HBCUs, creating charity events around this initiative. And, and it all kind of stemmed from here is where Jay Monahan mentioned that $100 million initiative giving back to you know, social, um, social injustice and racial equity organizations. And I'm proud to say that not only are we continuing to do so, but we're upping our game when it comes to that as well. Um, also with the first tee of Metro Atlanta, you know, really developing those kids as well. Um, just really proud to say that not only do we participate in sports, but we really affect the community as well. And no other sport can say that like the PGA Tour. Rob, we're going up north to you. Yeah, um, I'll tell you, you know, the honest truth is when we started this tournament, we focused on what had been done at Eastlake. I mean, that, that was, that's the God's honest truth. We looked there. That was one of the first places we went to. There's I remember so when you guys came down. Yeah, yeah. We were stealing ideas from you. <laughs> um, so there are a lot of similarities. We both have Donald Ross courses that were built probably within 10 years of each other. We are, and we say this, we are one of two tournaments that are held inside the Allison's tournament being the other one inside an urban city limits. We are inside the city limits of Detroit, uh, a very similar, you know, surrounding area. If you drive into Detroit golf club, it is a urban area that needs help. Um, and, you know, so our mission, and I, I think that's the big differentiator, you know, so worked in stadium, and you know stick and ball sports and where they're missing it is this uh nonprofit element i mean they just don't you know and i probably piss some people off they don't get it um and and i i've had this idea it's like what if a major sports team uh mlb nfl became a nonprofit? what 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 if what if you ran a, a team like you run a golf tournament i mean these billionaires that have teams it doesn't really matter right it's a public trust. It's a community asset. And that's what we're trying to be is an asset 
to the community, much like East Lake and Allison at the Tour Championship. That's what we aspire to be. And, you know, I'm proud to say in year one, uh, 2018, we got the Dresner Foundation on and they sponsored a minority internship. Uh, we've hired one of our interns full time. Uh, we have a diverse uh, and uh, a diverse vendor program that we measure. We are measured by our title partner, Rocket, on the number of diverse Detroit-owned Michigan-based vendors. We have numbers to hit every year. And, and then that culminated in 19, we won the first ever Fairway Award for Diversity, Equity, Inclusion. So that was kind of our beginnings, <laughs> beginnings of that. And then as we kind of talked offline, we'll be going live here uh, in the next few days. I guess this will air, but we are uh, launching the John Shippen which is going to be nationally televised on CBS for young men and women of color, golfers, uh, amateurs, and professionals that haven't made their way onto the PGA Tour or the LPGA Tour. We're gonna have a sports business summit for youth of color. Um, and we're in the midst uh, you know, of, of getting sponsors on and we've got a great team that is activating that and there'll be more to come on that. But that's our next evolution of what we wanna do and how we wanna give back. But we, much like Allison, we aim to be a community golf tournament. We want our volunteers, we want our spectators to be part of our community. We don't want to put these mesh walls up around our tournament, bring everybody in from out of town. We want the community to enjoy it this year, we'll be launching community days on Monday and Tuesday to bring the local uh, people that live in the neighborhood, the first tea kids. We have another amazing program called Midnight Golf. You should look it up in Detroit. It's a Detroit only kind of thing. Um, and so that that's that's our focus. We just copy Allison and Eastlake. Look, both of you, both of you are doing amazing work. And I think it's so important to highlight the importance of that kind of top down leadership, right? Like, you know, both of you mentioned it. Jay um, is, is super adamant upon not only just giving back, being part of the communities in which um, the tournaments are, and then DE and I, and then to see it uh, cultivate at tournaments. Um, through both of you is just so amazing and so important. And I think it goes to the point that, you know, we've been pushing is to be successful in this space is to be intentional, right? So like you have to be intentional and you have to have intentional inclusivity. That is the thing. And Rob, to your point to benchmarking and putting numbers behind it, that's a commitment to change because now you you could pass or you could fail. Like that's a measurement of success. Um, and so I commend both of you on the work that you're doing. I may or may not have been a part of the Fairway Manual Planning Committee to put that together. <laughs> no, but you all are both doing such great work. So thank you for what you're doing in the communities. Um, and, you know, Allison, I've heard you talk about the cradle to the college program and philosophy. And I just think there's, there's so much, um, 
you know, a lot of times organizations and movements and groups will focus on a segment and not address the full length of time of childhood to really make a change. It's not a quick, it's not a light switch. You have to stick with people throughout the process. Kind of how to what Rob, you were saying uh, about in the sales process, right? And calling people during the pandemic when you didn't want anything, you stuck with them through the process. So it's it's the same thing. And I, I think that's so awesome. Um, you know, Allison, you said something earlier that I we have to go back to because I, I just can't let it slide. Um, you mentioned you were deterred from, turned down from, told no to a job yes. because of your gender identity. Yes, I brought too much drama. Mm. Yep. 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 Mm. Let me just tell you that that person has tried to hire me three other times. Of course they have. What What does one do in that in that moment? And excuse us, gentlemen, because we're gonna have a ladies conversation real all quick. All good. All good. Um, Jake is used to this. We had an all women's call, and then Jake was the only guy, and he just he hung in there. So Rob, welcome. So <laughs> how how does one, a young woman or a male or someone who's different, not the not the the the, the majority or whatever is in at that moment? How do you take that information? Because I know me in my younger self, I may have been on the front page of the paper. Um, but how do you how do you take that? Like, what did you do? How did you do? Would you do anything differently? Like, I need more. Yeah, no. Um, I, I kind of just sat there. I, I think I was flabbergasted. But at that point in time, you don't speak back to your boss. You don't, you know, you don't cause any trouble, especially when you're being accused of causing trouble. So I, I walked out of his office and I kind of sat there for a minute and went home and, and talked to my husband about it. And like I mentioned before, look, everything happens for a reason. You can choose to go down the path and think I'm terrible. I'm not going to do anything with my life. Like I'm stuck here. I'm not, I'm not going to grow. Or you can take it as an opportunity to say, look, you know what? Maybe I should take my talents elsewhere. And that's what I did. I, you know, I didn't, and it took me a couple of years to realize that that was what had happened. Um, but I am so much better off because of it. I wouldn't be where I am today if that didn't happen. So while it was a negative situation, you got to try and turn everything into a positive and make it worthwhile. And that's what I did. So it's a blessing that it happened to me. Like, I don't want it to happen to anybody. Let me just say that because it's terrible. But honestly, when I came down to it, like I said, I wouldn't be where I am today if it didn't happen. So um, take the negatives and turn into positives. Lemons into lemonade, right? Gotta have, you gotta have the positive. I love the positive outlook. I love the, um, commitment to yourself uh, and commitment to knowing and believing in who you were at that moment, who you are and who you have the potential to be. Yeah. Um, and it's funny, my, my grandmother used to tell me, she still tells me to this day, cause she still thinks I'm like 10. Um, but she's like, you know, sometimes, you know, when you leave, when you leave a door cracked or you leave a door open that the universe has been trying to tell you to get out of, it will slam it in your face. And it sure did. And like, oh, okay. I mean, you know what? Today in this in the golf world, it's still I still struggle a couple of times. Mm -hmm. like, like there's a there's a 
society, I'm not going to go into yeah. details in Atlanta, that is, it is only males. I can't be a part of it. And um, it's, it's kind of frustrating, honestly, like to hear that that kind of stuff still happens, but it does. And um, we just got to be bigger people, right? And if I say that I admire Rob's tournament so much just because they've started out. I mean, this is the, was their third year and yeah. they are just like killing it. Every tournament wants to emulate them. They win awards like they walk away with trophies when they leave the PGA Tour hardware you know, meetings. So, I mean, they they have put together such an awesome team and they're actually one of our studies for our ILC group, which focuses on volunteers. So um, kudos to what you guys have done in such a short time in that in that area. Well, Rob. It definitely takes a village, you know, and it goes back to people and it goes back to the people that are, you know, title sponsor, you know, Dan Gilbert, Jay Farner, Casey Herb. It goes back to their vision of bringing a golf tournament, you know, and, and they pushed the tour to bring the tournament to Detroit. And that was their vision. And we're just executing on it. And we've been fortunate enough to get together a great group of people and, you know, Detroit was without golf for 10 years. The old Buick Open was about an hour north and they were ready for it. You know, they, they were really, you know, ready for, a, and, and there's nothing like a nice June or July day in Michigan too, outdoors. I mean, you just, you know, so we had a lot of things going for us, this great title sponsor with great vision and we had a great team to execute against it. And we're going to, yeah, we chucked out the playbook and did COVID, and now we'll try to see if we can get back to that old playbook, you know. Is there an alum that you've looked up to along the, along the years? Jake with the hard questions. I, I promise y'all got the tough. He's trying to, like, end this season on one. These are, some, we gotta, these we are some toughies. I need to get out the directory. I'm going to go start looking at my right. office. Right. These, these are some toughies, Jake. I, you know, for me, it probably was a guy by the name of Derek Hall. So, you know, Derek is president of the Diamondbacks. He interned the, again, peer, right? He had the Vero Beach scholarship and internship the year before I had it. He turned it into a job and he wanted to go PR, turned it in a job at, at the Dodgers and PR. So when I came on board, I saw, you know, Derek's an OU guy, had the same scholarship and internship. So kind of always looked up to Derek and what he's done in his career path. And if you know Derek, he is so such a dynamic individual. I mean, I remember when we worked for the Dodgers, he was the only one that he would do a lot of the emceeing of employee parties and stuff. He was just that guy. And he would do an impersonation of the owner, Mr. Peter O'Malley at the time, and Tommy Lasorda in front of them. And nobody would even think about, so he had this kind of air about himself. I always kind of looked up to Derek and he's been a great friend and I, I don't talk to him much anymore, but see him occasionally at different functions. But Derek Hall, I'd say. Okay. Um, I've kind of got two. Um, one, Scott McCune. He um, worked for Coke for a long time and kind of created his own agency and has really done an awesome job working his own path. 
Um, he sits on many boards and I'm lucky enough to sit on a first year of Metro Atlanta board with him. So Scott, but also someone that's really fascinated me with their careers, Chad Estes. Um, he was uh, three years ahead of me at OU, four, but he landed these gigs. And I mean, at the Cavs when LeBron was there, opened up, you know, the AT&T stadium in Dallas and, you know, and head of legends now, like, um, he's had an amazing career path and it's been fun to watch. That's a, that's a good one. Chad was the year before me, and he actually his graduate year played on the OU hoops team. I don't know if yeah. you yeah. Okay. yeah yeah yeah. And I I've known Chad, and if you ever get a chance, give him a call if you're in Frisco, Texas, and he'll give you a tour of that Cowboys. I don't even know what to call it. Practice I know, right? Facility, but it's a, it's city. a city. It's what it is. It's a city. Yeah. It's, it's, it needs its own zip code. Well, once this airs to the millions of our um, listeners, uh, Chad's calendar just got booked up. <laughs> we'll, drop, we'll drop his Calendly yeah. link in the- uh, in the, really in the happy with me. There you go. Like, why am I getting all these emails all of a sudden, right? Yeah, Allison, Rob, um, really appreciate your time, thoughts, perspectives throughout the episode. Um, Laura, uh, it's been a pleasure with uh, these eight episodes. Looking forward to the series continuing in the fall. Yes. Uh, and as always, uh, go Bobcats. Go Bobcats. Go Bobcats. Hey, great to see everybody. Good to Thank see you. Thank you.